Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Relief Cast. Once again, I have an amazing guest. Her name is Melanie Tackett. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be here. Yes, I'm excited to have you on today. Uh, I want to also thank, once again, our sponsor, uh, Veracity Networks. They're an amazing company, telecommunication company. They help take a uh, company's information and basically put it into the cloud. Um, they're booming. They're, they're worldwide now. And uh, my good friend, Drew Peterson, who's the owner and founder of that uh, amazing company. And I want to thank them for sponsoring this uh, podcast, BeliefCast, today. And, uh, and then again, I want to thank all this, the people who have downloaded uh, these podcasts and are listening to it and sharing it. And the feedback has been overwhelmingly amazing. And so thank you so much for your support. You know, a little bit about our amazing guest today. Her name's Melanie Tackett, like I said. She's an ASUDC substance abuse counselor. She's completed the substance abuse program through the Graduate School of Social Work at the University of Utah. She currently works as the Director of Admissions at Wasatch Recovery. We're colleagues. I get to work with Mm -hmm. Melanie a lot. Uh, She has an incredible story. She's uh, been in recovery for 33 years, uh, which is uh, amazing in itself. But what's even more amazing when you hear the things that she's gone through, the things that she, the trials, the tribulations, you, you name it, and to be able to get past that and, and to be 33 years past that's truly remarkable. And so I can't, I'm excited for our listeners to hear your story today. Wow, I'm excited and <laughs> just full of, you know, there's a, I'm a little anxious, but I think that's a good anxiousness. Could we say excitement? Excitement's good. Yeah, because I think you're excited. (laughs) We talked about it before. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, you're 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 right. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I I know you. You there's a lot to your story, and there's probably some things that maybe you won't share, and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do know that your story is going to reach thousands and thousands of people. And they're going to be inspired by you. Mm-hmm. And so, again, like I said, I'm excited that you're you're willing to actually be on here. So let's let's start. You know, maybe tell us a little bit about your family and where you grew up. And okay, yeah, yeah. To start with, I think uh, let me tell you. Yeah, I just want to thank you again. I'm oh. so grateful to be here. Um, I think welcome. sharing, you know, with people out here is so important because there's so many people that don't talk right about what's going on in their life. And I think the reason my story, people go, oh, your story is so amazing. It's like, well, I have 33 years of recovery to share. And I don't really talk. I don't, I don't talk about it as much. And I don't see as many women Mm -hmm. in recovery long term. It's crazy that, um, and I want to meet more. Sure. So, well, maybe this will open up yeah, the floodgates that's, for yeah, that. So, That'd be awesome. So I thought I'd throw that out there because yeah. maybe I will meet more. Yeah. Um, I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, and um, I'm 57 years old. Right on. <laughs> um, my parents were from small towns. Okay. Alpine. Uh, my mother was from. She had 11 brothers and sisters. Oh wow. Um, <laughs> my my dad had nine. And a very strong religious family. We moved to Bountiful when I was three years old. And um, I had a brother that was seven years older than me. Okay. And um, he actually passed away when he was 29. 
and he had uh he was born with diabetes um they caught it when he was like two or three okay and he just back then they didn't have all the technology that they do now they didn't have all the ways to treat it yeah and you know he was constantly having problems and his eyesight was going bad and you know he had problems with his fingers and toes and you know he he got married and had two beautiful children yeah. and then um suddenly his kidneys felled and they were doing dialysis and he actually um blew or just threw a blood clot and it killed him it was just like nobody wow. expected it so you're 22 at this time Is i was right? actually yeah i was 22 yeah yeah and it you know so backing up growing up it was just me and my brother and we were seven years apart. And so we had different friends. And so it was just you two, no other siblings? No other siblings. And the, and the reason why I'm a little caught off guard because you know, your, your mom and dad both came from these large right. families. And maybe they're like, man, we're not doing this. Right. <laughs> but so you're seven years apart. And so were you close to your brother growing up? You know, um, he protected me in mm -hmm. a lot of ways because I was just like the little sister. Right. Um, but in other ways, we weren't so close because he had older friends and he was dating when it, you know, and here I am still a kid. And yeah. um, I think because there, there was a lot going on in our family. It, he went, he was planned. I wasn't. Right. <laughs> so I, hence okay. the seven years apart. Um, okay. My mom was told she wouldn't be able to have any more children. And uh, okay. yeah. And then I, I was, she was in her 40s when when she had me okay so you know we so having parents that were older and being younger and then having a brother that was older right that it was kind of like I felt alone a lot mm -hmm. um, my mom and dad really brought their a strong faith in to our home that you know they believed in and we practiced and attended and it was the LDS church and um, the only problem was that my dad wasn't really living what he was practicing oh, gotcha. and that he was mm -hmm. wanting us to practice okay and um, he he had a very bad temper and um, he would beat my brother a lot and he would beat my mother mm. a lot and very very bad verbal abuse right and how how young were you when you noticed and saw these things how uh, young were you like two and three okay so yeah, yeah. i mean yeah as right out the gate remember. right yeah. out the gate i yeah okay and um there was always there was always friction going on in the home and my mom was like the peacemaker Mm -hmm. And so she she really strongly believed in her faith. Um, you know, I really think that that's what helped her get through right. a lot of stuff. Sure. And back in those days, it was just like you don't you don't leave. You 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 don't break your marriage up. Yeah, you stick it out. Yeah, and, you stick it out, mm -hmm. and and you're kind of taught to. Yeah. We were taught to kind of you know you stick through things and right and um. There were some really bad things that both my brother and I did experience. And, you know, um, my mom 
it did wear on her and it was it was really good that she had her sisters and her brothers she was very close to them and they lived in alpine and she would you know pack us up in the car and right. we'd go to alpine for the weekend and stay with our aunts and uncles and go horseback riding and they lived on farms and you yeah. know it, and we just do farm life it was just such a great escape oh, and, I bet. and um the only thing was that she was the middle towards the youngest in her family and so they were they were dying quickly right because they were getting older yeah and so um long story short i i have one aunt alive that's in her 90s early 90s and out of all of them they're gone and okay. i don't i think i've got two uncles on my dad's side but there's no contact okay yeah and my dad's passed away so my mom and dad have both passed away as well okay but um we would go to church every sunday and then we'd come home and fight and argue and uh we do know now that my dad actually had an addiction okay um he had heart so problems he, he, you didn't know that until no, later no okay no um he had heart problems and he had a cardiac arrest in his early like 70s I think it was the late 60s. Maybe it was late 60s. And um, they started him all kinds of medications, including, you know, put him on Xanax and right. and Valium and, and different kinds of pills besides heart pills. And, you know, he was abusing them down the road. But, you know, to back up, I uh, started, and I, I don't know if it was just because of the things that were going on at home, but I didn't know how to cope with right. things that were were going on at home and I I rebelled. I was the I was the scapegoat in the family kind of. Yeah. And so I kind of acted out a lot and I I would I want to say I was probably 6 or 7 years old when I started abusing food. Okay. So I started as a way to kind of as a comfort way to yourself. Cope. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I, there would be, you know, my dad would be yelling and my mom would be crying. And what happened was the neighbors weren't even allowed to have their kids come to my house because my dad was so loud okay. that my friends, parents could hear them. And, and they'd be like, you're not going down Yeah, there. they wouldn't allow them to come right. over. And so I felt like, some, I'm like, what's wrong? You know, why can't they come play with me? Yeah. And now I, you know, I get it now. But then as a little kid, you don't understand. You don't understand. So yeah. I turned to food. And um, I used food to comfort and to help me sleep, to calm my nerves. Mm -hmm. um, hence, by kindergarten, I was the heaviest girl in kindergarten. Right and was being made fun of at school because I was so overweight. And of course I didn't like that. And so my mom, you know, hauled me off to Weight Watchers when I was probably nine years old. Really? Okay. Oh yeah. Just, you know, trying to help me and yeah. and I was gonna lose weight and I was gonna look good. And um, finally by sixth grade, I had decided that when I entered into junior high, I was gonna look good. And so uh, I went on a really strict diet. I hung a dress on the wall that was like this teeny dress. And I'm like, I'm going to wear this dress. I'm going to visualize. I will be I, in that. I'm going to look. I'm going right. to wear this dress to junior high school. And when I went into junior high school, 
I had lost a bunch of weight. Okay. And it was really crazy, but I became very popular very fast. Yeah. And you're like, man, this is great. Yeah. I'm, I'm thin. I yeah. feel great. And I, I was got getting friends good, now. Yeah, I was getting good grades too. I was getting good grades. Yeah. I had friends. Um, and the, the big thing was, you know, I was starting to be noticed by boys. Right. And I wasn't getting a whole lot of attention at home. And I was getting validated. And so I started turning to boys. Yeah. And remember thinking how cool it was that, you know, I'd be walking home from school with one of the boys and, you know, here I am in seventh grade and yeah. thinking this is awesome. And <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> sure. So um, during that time, my dad got really, really sick and they went into the hospital. He was in the hospital a lot, but he, he'd go into the hospital several times right. with his heart. Okay. And, um, but then when he'd come out in between, you know, my mom was kind of the caretaker, but at the same time he would like be so verbally abusive right. to her that I, I, don't, I don't know why I did what I did. I'm just looking at the situation that I grew yeah. up in, but I started stealing pills from my dad. Yeah, out of his cupboard. And, and you're still in junior high at this time? Yeah. Okay. Like this, it was by eighth grade. Really? I started stealing pills. And then um, I hooked up with some friends that were starting to slough and right. get in trouble. And <clears throat> and um, things were so bad. And, and I'll, I'll give one description, but, sure. and I'm sure that, you know, it's, and I talk, I've talked about this before that I remember standing in the hall and my mom said, move. And I moved back in cause I was in like a doorway that went into my bedroom and I backed yeah. up cause my dad was throwing a drawer. He had pulled a drawer out of the dresser, dresser right. and was throwing it down the hall. And, you know, I backed up and he was throwing it at my mom. And, you know, and he would, there were times, and I I shared this before, it makes me really sad, but he, and my mom had shared this, and she didn't ever want to talk about it, but where he um, would try to choke her, and, you know, he would pull her up the stairs by her neck, and he would pull the phones out of the walls. Really? And tell her to go to the dungeon. Was he ever that way towards you where, I mean, because your brother, you said, you know, he, he was towards hurt, my or, brother, but not towards you. But so what much. had happened was my brother became physically violent as well. Okay. So, so he, he started fighting back. So he started fighting back. But okay. then my, my brother, he did hit me a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but his was more, it, it turned to where he was, he was, uh, he would protect me, but yeah, I would get verbally abused okay. by him. Right. And my dad didn't physically hit me, but he would verbally tell me right. that, and and this I had, I mean, I went to years of therapy for this. Sure. I mean, it would be yeah. like, I heard, I'd hear him fighting with my mom and he'd say, she's been a problem since the day she was born. And, oh, wow. you know, so whenever something was going on, um, it would be like, you know, that Melanie. <laughs> really? Well, and then, yeah. and then I'd act it out. Well, yeah, it's almost like you hear this as a kid and you're thinking, I'm the problem. Maybe that's right. why they're fighting. 
Well, yeah, I, I did. I thought I was the problem. Wow. I really did. I thought something yeah. must be really wrong with me because my dad, wow. yeah. you know, is so mad at me and mm -hmm. he, you know, he, he just despises me. Right. And, um, so I, I started sloughing and taking his pills and, um, here I am. They, we, we had just opened up a high school from junior high. So we got to go over to the high school in ninth grade. Right. So we had ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th in okay. our high school. And, um, I went over to ninth grade and I was using the drugs and hanging out with, with people that were were probably four or five, six years older than me. We, right. our, our group of, a group of our girls had met some guys that were just finishing high school or out of high school that were into drinking and drugs that we started hanging out with. And um, my dad was not happy at all about that. Right. You know, it was just sure. one more thing. And um, one morning I'm walking to school and to high school and I'm with my friends and it's like seven o'clock, seven thirty in the morning and and we go down under the underpass and I look up and my friend that's with me, she's like, There's your dad. I'm like, What? And then we look across the street and there's my dad in his car because he would leave really, really early early every uh -huh, morning. Right. And um we thought he'd go drink coffee or whatever because that was one of the things that he did. Right. And he was getting a woman out of his car and putting her on a bus. Mm. And I was just like, what the yeah. heck? Yeah. And it was at that time that I actually went home to my mom afterwards and I, I said that I had seen this and she shared with me which I, I knew earlier, but I didn't really put everything together that my dad had, um, when I was, when my mom was pregnant with me, my dad actually had an affair Okay. in their old ward in Rose Park Okay. and got a woman pregnant. Mm. Um, it was in their study group. Okay. And he was, um, that her husband was a mailman and my mom worked for the state of Utah. And so they would see each other while my mom was at work. Okay. And mm, wow. my dad worked nights at that time. Okay. And so Is this the same woman that she was put he was putting on the bus? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> and I guess my brother actually had caught them one time when we were living in Rose Park. Okay. And um she got pregnant. And, um, at that time with the, the church courts, I don't even know how it all worked out. These, I mean, some of this I've, I've read yeah. in, in paper from after my mom died that she had hid and other stuff that she had told me, but they had like a court hearing and, um, my dad promised that he would not see this woman anymore and that he would move, they would move and start mm. their life over. Right. And we moved to Bountiful. Okay. And that um, this this couple, that she was this woman and her husband would raise this baby as their own. So I have a half-sister that is close to my age that I've oh, okay. never met. Still never met her, really? Never met. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm -mm. Yeah. And um, when I confronted my dad about what was going on that I had seen him that morning. Mm -hmm. 
he just looked at me and he says, it did not. This is none of your business. And I mean, he got really loud and boisterous right. and you, you stay out of my business and, you know, yeah. you're nothing but a problem. And, you know, hence after all of this, I just started, I just started spitting out. I mean, I, I just imagine. started drinking and doing drugs and I was doing experimental drugs and I was sloughing school and, and, you know, my dad's like, we need to, you know, we can't control her. So, um, I did do some, I, I went to some party and I don't remember it, but I woke up three days later and I was in like a, it was a place called Moita and it was like a mm. youth detention. Oh, okay. And my dad wouldn't come get me. They, he didn't want me to come out. So they kept me there for a week and then, um, they decided to put me in a foster home. Really? Because I was, my parents felt I was ungovernable. Okay. How old were you at this time when they decided to do that? 13. 13? Okay. 14. 14. Yeah. Between 13 and 14. I can imagine as a young girl at that age mm -hmm. hearing this is what we're doing, the message that sent to you. Mm -hmm. it, it probably reinforced the belief yeah. you already had is I'm right. the problem. What's wrong with me? I'm not, right. I'm not good enough. Now this on top of it, right. I can't even imagine what was going through your mind. I just was really confused, you know, and I always had anxiety and I always had mm -hmm. stomach aches. <laughs> yeah. I was just right. really confused. I didn't know what to think. And so after, I think I was there for a couple of months, I came back home right. and um, I went back to school, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to stay in school and I right. didn't want to stay at my parents. And sure. Yeah. Why would you, you know, wanna? it was like, <laughs> you know, and I, and I remember yeah. every time they'd go somewhere, I would have this anxiety and this fear, like, are they going to come home? You know, mm. am I going to be here by myself? It was just a weird feeling. Yeah. And I didn't know what that was all about. Just, you know, and at this time your brother's kind of moved My out. My brother's and moved kind on. of like doing his own thing his own and thing. he's yeah. hanging out with, you know, his right. friends and he's dating and, He's really active in the church, mm -hmm. and um, and I'm doing the opposite. Right. And then um, he decided to go on a mission. Oh, okay. So his girlfriend waited for him. Yeah. So his girlfriend waited for him while he was on his mission. So he went on a mission, and while he was on his mission, things got worse at home. Because now it's just um, you there. It's just me and my dad and my yeah. mom, you know, and my dad knows that I know too much. Mm -hmm. You know, and he had committed to my mother and the church and everybody else that he would never see this woman. And I, I have evidence that he's still seeing her. Still seeing her. Oh, and wow. this, yeah, this is years down the road, you know, because wow. I was three years old yeah. when we moved okay. from Rose Park. And so, you know, this is I'm going to high school right. when I see him. Mm. So that that opens up a whole nother rat's sure. nest. Yeah. And, um, I just remember, and I, it's really funny, Todd, but I looked the other day and I, I was going through stuff cause I'm doing some remodeling in my house and I found a card that I had written to my mom and I was only 15 years old and I had written to her saying how much I loved her and that it was really hard, but you know, I was going to do things that she would never understand. And there were things that I could never tell her and mm. that, I was, you know, even if I wasn't there with them, that I loved her. And I remember 
reading that just the other day. Really? And it brought up all those feelings again of like, oh, yeah, wow. you know, what's going on? Yeah. Just, you know, and, and now I know, you right. know, what's going on. But um, so, well, well, my brother's gone. I'm, I, I took off. I'm, you know, I took off. I met a guy that was four years older than me. And um, he was in love with me. Right. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? Come on. I mean, he was in love with me, and I didn't <laughs> right. know what love was. But yeah. I, you know, I'm like, someone's in love with me, you know? And, yeah, and that he was felt, at you that felt time. You felt wanted. You felt needed. You yeah, felt accepted. He's just getting out of high school. And, yeah. and I'm just like, you know, he's got, back in the 70s, it's like he's got long hair, and, <laughs> you know, he's dark. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, man, you know, I really love this guy. And, yeah. Um, he introduced me to a lot of different drugs and he introduced me to actually getting into making like and selling mm. um, marijuana and we'd buy p- pounds of marijuana and he would lace them with different drugs right. and sell them and um, I ran away with him mm. and I he took me across border Really? into another state okay and while i was there um of course now the family's got the police involved and they're they're trying to find out where i'm at and yeah. and i ran away for a couple months and uh during that time this guy that i was with became verbally abusive and physically abusive to me mm. Um, to the point that I was being knocked out at times. Really? And and I actually called a girlfriend that came up and stayed with us. And he held, he put us up in a hotel and he was staying with his uncle and aunt and working up there. And um, I started really drinking out. I, I was drinking a lot into blackouts. I don't even remember things, Todd. There were things I don't remember that happened yeah. because I was doing at such a young age. Here I am, you know, drinking tequila and different things into total blackouts right. and, and not remembering things. Um, the things that I do remember were um, being at parties with him and his friends and then we're I we're riding in a truck up like four wheeling and it's at, at night and I'm drinking and he puts me in the back of the truck and tells the guys that they can have me. Really? And and I'm crying and I'm screaming, wow. but I don't remember if anything happened or not. Yeah. How old were you again at this um, time? At this time I was um fourteen. Fourteen years old. Wow. Mm-hmm. And here you are going through all this, and you're mm-hmm. you're dating a guy that's just like your dad, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. In the sense of he's abusing yeah, you. that's and exactly. Physically and yeah. verbally. And telling me the exact same, same things, things that my mom would tell, or my dad would tell my right. mom. You know, and, and uh, you know, telling me that things aren't real, that are real. And that's what yeah. my dad would always do, is that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. Right. She's lying, you know. <laughs> and so I grew up in that kind of an environment and then I went into with this abusive relationship and I came home from um long story short I came home from running away and I was four months pregnant Mm. and I had to get married and the reason I had to get married was because my dad had said if you don't marry him we're going to press charges 
for statutory rape because he took you across the state line. Okay. And so I married him and he did not want to be married to me. So the beatings continued. Um, When I was pregnant, he tried, he put a pillow over my face. He punched me in the stomach. Um, He tried to abort and telling me I didn't deserve to be a mom. And um, he wanted me to give up the baby. And I, I don't know why, but I just really felt strongly that I wanted to keep the child. Yeah. And here I am, this young kid, thinking that I know what I'm doing. And I kept the child. And I finally, we were only married for six months. Um, my brother did rescue us. He got beat up by my ex-husband. I guess I could, would call him my ex-husband. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, six months. Um, so he beat up your brother? He beat up my brother. Oh, okay. My brother came and moved me out. And he blocked my brother in and just started beating up my brother. And my brother helped me get out yeah. and away from him. And then I went on what welfare. A good, what a good brother. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that he was there to help. Like you said, he was a protector. He was mad at me. Right. But he he yeah. protected, but mm-hmm. he was mad at me. Sure. You know, because of the life yeah, that you were style living. I right. was living. Right. And um, I went into an apartment, lived on. I went, I lied and said I was 18 and got a job up at the state of Utah and started working in Department of Finance in key punching. I was a key punch operator back in the day. (laughs) Back in the day. Back in the day. (laughs) And um, so during that time, my my ex-husband continued to harass me. He would come over, break into my house, tear up my furniture. He cut my tires on my car, cut all the hoses on my car, but I could never prove it was him. Because we couldn't right. catch him. Never caught him. Um, come in, you know, one time he busted into my house and and held me down and put everything up against the door and was going to kill me. And um, the neighbors upstairs, we were in a fourplex, the neighbors upstairs called the police. And they came in and pulled him off and hauled him off to jail. Wow. So... Yeah. So here I am raising a child now and I'm an alcoholic and I'm Ma- I'm mainly, I was into alcohol, right. but I'm but trying to keep my act dr- together. My parents wouldn't, my dad would not let me come home. <laughs> right. So um, I decided to go back to a young mother's program up at Kaysville and get my education and get my diploma. And then I went into a secretarial school and, and learned how to be a secretary. Right. And that's how I started working. Okay. And went back to my high school with my boy, my baby, uh-huh. and got my driver's license. Really? <laughs> wow. And yeah, I mean, I look at that and that was a really hard situation. That was hard For to do. Sure. And it was, you know, um, but I, so I'm going to go up ahead of time because yeah. I know. So my, um, I got really bad with the alcohol, and um, I got a call one night, and it was the middle of the night, and then someone come knocking on my door, and it was my neighbor, and she had come over and told me that my brother had passed away, and mm. that um, she was here to take me to the hospital to go s- meet my parents. Was that a shock, or did you know no. that his health had been going down? We didn't know he was going to die. So it was Nobody a shock. did, because okay. he was getting dialysis treatments yeah. until they could you know, do a, a transplant, transplant or what, yeah. Right. But he threw a blood clot. So he was going like twice a week oh, or three wow. times a week and, and getting dialysis. Okay. But, um, wow. And I was just like in shock. 
And so I went, she took me down there. I walked into the hospital. It's the middle of the night. My dad's in there. And I just, I started to cry and just was like broke down. And I remember my dad just saying, get up off the floor, you know, and quit your crying. You're going to wake everybody up. That's my dad. Mm, And I was just like, you know, and he's like, just, you know, and then, you know, saying goodbye to my brother. And it was, it was at that time within that year that I decided I needed to get some help. Right. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And it was really weird because my dad, they, they didn't, they didn't think that I needed help. And I don't know why they didn't think I needed to go get help. Right. But they didn't think I needed help. They didn't, they thought I could just go to church and I would be fine. And, you know, that it was just my emotions. And, and, you know, if I could just go to church and get my emotions under control, I would be be fine. I would be great. (laughs) And so I, I actually had moved into another apartment. And because of my drinking, I had gotten a DUI. I'd lost my job. I'd lost, my car was going to get repossessed. Um, And I I get emotional every time I tell this story. But um, I woke up one morning and my son my oldest son was laying on the floor in the kitchen and he was eating cereal with water and I couldn't handle it right you know it was just (laughs) and I didn't know what to do because my parents didn't know what to do so nobody knew what to do right And, um, so I got my son in the car and I took him up to my parents' neighborhood and I let him out Mm -hmm. and I says, I want you to go play with your friends and then go over to grandma and grandpa's house. Right. But I want you to stay here and play with the friends up in the neighborhood. And I went back home and I went to my cupboard and I got two big bottles of pills because they had me on antidepressants and different pills trying to help me. That doesn't mix well with alcohol, by the way. Sure. <laughs> and um, right. And I was going to take him. I was just so close. I had him in my hand. I was going to take him, and somebody knocked on the door, and it was a bishop. And my my son had gone right over to my parents, and my parents had set their bishop down in my house. And I opened the door, and I just fell apart. And I says, I can't. I can't do this anymore I don't know what's wrong but I can't live like this and he says I know what's wrong with you and I'm like you do and he's like yeah I do and I can I'm gonna take you to get some help and I thought at that time that he's gonna take me to the funny farm right because that's what they do Right. You know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know what was really wrong. I just thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to put me away. Yeah, they're going to lock me up. They're going to lock me up I'm, and put me away. Right. And he put me in his car and he drove me to Highland Ridge Hospital. Mm. And it was the only residential place for alcohol at the time. Right. Th- yeah, back then, yeah. for sure. And um, he looked at me and he said, my dad was an alcoholic and he died of alcoholism. So he knew, the bishop knew what it looked like. Yep. And he knew what to do with me. Yeah. And my parents didn't, my, they didn't come see me in treatment at all. My dad didn't want anything to do with it. And he was that way. When my son was born, he didn't want anything to do with him until I was a little bit older. Yeah. He didn't want anything to do with me. Um, so I went to treatment. And after I got out of treatment, um, I was sober about a, a year. And I started having 
I woke up one morning and I had like a flashback mm-hmm. and, um, it was just another devastation. I had a flashback and I remembered being with my dad and then really? my dad wow. had, um, you know, he, he was messing around with me in the bathtub and I was like three and four years old from like three to five. And you didn't remember that. I didn't remember any of that. Really? Mm -mm. Wow. And it was just like, I woke up and it was like clear as day and I remembered it and I got sick to my stomach and I wanted to kill myself because I would rather die than believe that something like that could happen to me. Sure. Or accuse right. my father of something bad. Right. And so I went to my counselor at Highland Ridge and they put me back in the hospital for like seven days and for free. Really? And and worked with me. Just knowing that you're gonna we need to process mm-hmm. through some of this mm-hmm. and And then, <clears throat> then told me that it was common that sometimes right. you know, these things would pop up. And then everything started making sense about not wanting to be in the house and not and wanting to be away. And, yeah. you know, and then I come I told my mom about it. And the first thing my mom said to me was that she she what was the exact word? She says, I'm not surprised. Really? So um, then I confronted my dad about it. And my dad, my mom went to the temple a couple weeks later and came home and my dad had taken three bottles of pills and had tried to kill himself. After you had confronted Mm -hmm. him? Yeah. Wow. And um, three bottles like Xanax and Valium and some other bottles. How did you handle that? I mean, you you tell him this. Well, so then my mom tells me you shouldn't have told him. So now it's your fault. So now it's my fault. Wow. And so he's up at the hospital in intensive care for a month. Then they put him in the substance abuse program at the hospital and he leaves. And, um, you know, I, 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 there was just so many things that was a kind of, that was kind of my roller coaster ride and I'm staying clean and sober. So I left the state and I took my son and we went to, um, California and I got really involved in AA mm-hmm. and got really involved in, right. in the meetings. And how, how old is your son at this time? At when this you went time, to he's like 11, 12. Okay. Um, and how, how is he handling all he's this? He's not handling. Well, then I mean, he seemed to age. be handling things well. Right. You know, he liked being at the beach. You know, he liked, I drug him to the meetings. He was always, this mm-hmm. kid went to every, I was going to meetings every day. Right. And I, I took him to meetings and they'd feed him and, right. you know, <laughs> they'd give him goodies. And <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, and then he'd, we'd go out, out to beach meetings because I was living right on the coast. Right. So he, you know, he was exposed to some fun stuff, but that was right. the life. And, yeah. you know, he seemed to be doing okay. Um, I came back because my dad was dying after a couple of years. They said that my dad was really bad. And, and my mom asked me if I would move back home. And I did move back home. Was that a tough yeah. decision, though? I mean, it was a really tough decision. But this is the thing, you know, when you're in this kind of position that I was in, mm-hmm. I always felt like my feelings 
didn't weren't as important i needed to be there right for, and i always and i thought well maybe my dad will love me now cuz i'm going to come home and i'm going to wow. help him and so i always had those weird things that i would think mm-hmm. and so i came home and um continued to stay clean and sober um my i i remarried my dad i adopted a baby at birth okay so here's my other son that's 19 18 going on a mission and i just started over you can, now you got a baby and now i got a baby at yeah. birth and then he um while he was out on his mission you know i was raising my son mm-hmm. and when he came back my son has always had so this the resentments towards me started before my son went on a mission Mm-hmm. And all the things from the way that he was raised, he really started having a hard, hard time with. Right. And he did not like that I kept him. I mean, he did not like that I did not adopt him out. He was very upset with me. Really? That I did not adopt him out. Mm-hmm. That he was exposed to, you know, living in single trailers and, and you know, no money and, you know, welfare and me being gone and going to school. And eating cereal with eating water. Cere- you know, he was really, and he, he, and I did take him to a lot of counseling as I was growing up, but he could not let go of that. Right. That was something that has always stuck with him and to this day has still stuck with him. Wow. Um, and that was, that was a hard thing to deal with. So when he came home, so he wasn't, he was mad at me for something before when he went on his mm-hmm. mission. Oh, cause I had another baby and I shouldn't. Right. Because I don't know how to take care of kids. Right. And then when he got home, um, he married within a year his mission president's daughter oh okay yeah and then you know had a family and have five grandchildren and and i raised my other son and ended up getting divorced and staying clean and sober continuing to work on myself continuing to right. work on things going back to school Wait, let's jump back just a little when did your father pass away my or, dad, or did he was he still alive up to this point my, he was still my dad passed away when my my youngest son was five years old. Okay. Yeah, okay. So he was still, when you adopted mm-hmm. the baby, he's on mm-hmm. his mission, comes back, gets mm-hmm. married. Your, your, your dad's still alive. Right. Gotcha, okay. And my 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 youngest son was like a little over one years old when, when he came home from his mission. Right, okay. So um, put things in perspective. Right. So... Um, my my older son continued to build resentments and we just no matter what we would try to work things out and it just so i'm just going to say to this day my son has chose and i it's it's serving him in his highest good and i have to remember that yeah to not be a part of my life okay and he and his wife do not want me to be a part of my grandchildren mm. so i don't know my grandchildren that's tough to i be- used to yeah. I used to know at least the three girls. Right. But it, it got to a point that, and I'm not even sure what it's about anymore. You yeah. know, that, um, well, yeah. He had it, his own stuff to work on. A lot of hurt. For sure. Um, yeah. And I love him very, very much. Yeah, sure. You know, and I always have. Yep. Yeah. So. Well, it's interesting what you said. You know, it's for the greater good for him, mm-hmm. and you're you're okay mm-hmm. with that, knowing that, right? Even though I'm sure, like you said, it's oh, hard it's devastating because I have grandchildren that don't know me. 
Yeah. But at the same time, I do. And I think the reason I have stayed clean and sober is because I do believe that there's higher power. And I do believe that that higher power knows way more than me. Right. You know, it knows way more than my older son and is in charge of this. Right. And it's, it is, it's got to be serving him in his highest good. Right. Yeah. You know, and I've got to believe that it's serving me in my highest good because I have continued to work on myself. Right. I have continued to be a good person. I've continued to work in the field. <clears throat> And I've continued to be a good mom to the son yeah, that's at home. For sure. So he's serving me. Well, again, this part, that's one of the main reasons why I wanted you on here, because you are a good person. The way you live your life is inspiring. And I know you are working on you. And you've been in this field for a long time, helping people get clean and, yeah. and find help. And, and, and you're giving back in such amazing ways. And, uh, Unfortunately, because of what you've been through, you know, you, you know, your son right now doesn't want to be a part of that for whatever reason. And he's you, got his reasons, but you can't, it's great to see so what you're doing. What I tell people is that if you want to stay clean and sober, you have to be willing to live life on life's terms. Right. And there are sometimes consequences. It doesn't matter right. if it's, you know, a good or bad or right or wrong but there are sometimes things that you have no control over right yeah and and, and you don't get to decide certain things you know and i have chosen to live yeah you know i've chosen to go on my heart does hurt but i'm filled with many many happy times I'm in an environment here. I love Wasatch Recovery. Right. I love working with the people here. Yeah. I love the staff here. The reason I love the staff here is because we're real. Yeah. You know? Yep. And, and, and they get me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> and yeah. I get to bring people in and help them and continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's... This is... This keeps me going right well it, it's it's like what it says in step 12 is to give back once you've yeah. been through this and and that's what you're doing and and it does fuel you i really believe when we give 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 of ourselves to others mm-hmm. we get a hundredfold in return right every time and that's what you're doing mm-hmm. you know for 33 years you've been you know staying yeah. strong and doing the things yeah. despite these challenges well, and stuff and that you've like gone through. Well, and it's like every time something's happened, you know, I've had a death happen or a divorce mm-hmm. or, you know, something that, you know, has happened. I had a time where I had heard my son, my older son got really, really sick and almost died. Nobody told me about it. Uh, I mean, that's devastating. Right. But, you know, I have to, you have to really, right. you have to really be willing to let everything else go. Right. Yep. And keep going. Yeah. And trust. In things that you don't know the outcome, yeah, you have to, yeah, and wow. and that's if you do if you can do that, you can. I mean, I have my sad moments, but let me tell you, I have some very happy, peaceful, serenity, right, awesome out moments because I am willing to do, right, whatever it takes. Wow, I love that. That's powerful. Yeah. 
and I believe that about yeah. you. You know, yeah. I see the way, you know, I get to rub shoulders with you every day here at work and, and, uh, to see what you do and how you do things. And it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. I love, you're always happy. You're always smiling. You're yeah. always, you really are. <laughs> and, that, and that's a beautiful, and that's yeah. a, that's a, a compliment for sure. Well, and it's, you know, I feel my true self a lot Yeah. and it's taken a lot of years, but I feel my true self. Yeah. And I, you know, and when you feel your true self, you know, y- you can laugh. Yeah. And you can be silly and, yeah. you know, you can, things, you just, c- you can accept things yeah, easier. Sure. You know, so since I, since I have been clean and sober, you know, I've done things I've never done before. You know, yeah, I've been in the industry 27 years. You know, I'm a facilitator of the work by Byron Katie, which yeah. is cognitive behavior therapy. Sure. Yeah. I did that for myself, yeah. you know, to help me. Exactly. I love that work. Yeah. Um, I'm not light you know i'm not a facilitator under byron katie i went through all of her schools Mm -hmm. but i continued to use the process sure sure um i also i run yeah which i've heard you just started getting into running a lot yeah my kids invited me to do a half marathon and now i'm hooked yep (laughs) so i trail run i I run half marathons i just got back from new zealand that's um, right in november late november we were there for three weeks and I ran the Queenstown International. <laughs> nice. So we're running on the Alps, you know, yeah, and it's cool. just like, oh my, and these glaciers. And you're going, wow. And I'm just like, this is unreal. Nothing like this would ever happen if I wouldn't have kept to keep moving exactly. forward keep moving and forward. trust the process. Yeah. Wow. You know? Um, I love it. That's powerful. Yeah. I have a beautiful 23-year-old son that goes to school full time, mm-hmm. wants to be an attorney, he works for one of the 11 largest attorney firms as a runner. And, That's awesome. you know, we, and then the, the, but what I guess the message would be that I want to share is that no matter what happens in your life, if you're willing to just sit with it and, and do whatever you need to do, to work through it without harming yourself, it will get better. Yeah. And it will pass. And the reward is so much greater. Yeah. Believe it or not, the story you just heard and everything I went through, the reward is yeah. so much greater. I love it. Well, it goes with the the principle of the greater the darkness, the greater the light. Correct. And the darkness that you've been through, but the light you're experiencing now. I witnessed it, and I live it, and I know it, and I believe it, and it's there. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, Melanie, if someone wants to reach out to you who hears this story of yours, who's struggling, who's looking for help, who's looking for guidance, Mm -hmm. who's who's either in an abusive relationship or, you know, feels left behind from their own family and this and that, how could they reach out to you how could they get a hold of you um to to maybe ask you a question or if they need to get help or treatment even well they can call me this is i mean i tell people that they can you know they can get um through to me on my email at melanie at wasatch recovery.com perfect anytime right um it's just yeah melanie at wasatch recovery.com beautiful yeah and great you know if they want to know more about me they can request my friendship yeah. On Facebook. Right. Through Melanie White Tackett. Perfect. So Perfect. I'd be glad to. I yeah. I love I love helping people, especially women. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it, yeah, and I and, it, and I love that too because you know, like we were talking about earlier, there's it seems like we don't hear maybe enough at times from the women who have mm-hmm. been through certain things. We don't. And uh, and that's another reason why I wanted you on here because yeah. your story is so compelling. And again, that 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 darkness and the light you're now experiencing, mm-hmm. the, the contrast between the two. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people and, and a lot of women who can relate with that. Yeah. So I'm I'm urging you, listeners, uh, women who might be struggling or know of someone who's gone through similar to what Melanie has been through, mm-hmm. have them listen to this. Have them reach out to Melanie through the email yeah. that she just described. And and, and, and and I know Melanie, she will bend over backwards yes. to help. She'll talk to you. She'll visit with you. She'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so please do that, listeners, and, and reach out to Melanie. And uh, I... You know, there's so much more to your story, I know, but we're, yeah. our time is up. Yes, it is. But thank I want to thank you um, so much. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm grateful that I get to work with you. Um, I've heard bits and pieces of your story. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I heard the bulk of it. Yeah. And it really does, you know, touch my heart. And I really admire you 10 times more now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> after hearing what you've been through and to see how you live your life. So. I just want to tell you how much I'm grateful for that, Melanie. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You're an awesome man, Todd. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I paid her to say that. Uh, (laughs) Lots of money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there you go, listeners. And another amazing belief cast. Uh, Please share this. Uh, Again, thank you for all your support. Again, I want to thank Veracity Networks for their sponsorship. Uh, An amazing company. And Drew Peterson, you're amazing for allowing that to happen. And again, Melanie, thank you so much. Please reach out to her and uh, this will be posted soon. And uh, I'm just so blessed to, to, to be a part of this. And uh, I am too. I mean, this is, this, is, this is what it's all about. Thank you so much.